0: To another episode of Drive the Bid, the podcast brought to you by the collector car network of AutoHunter.com and ClassicCars.com. AutoHunter.com is your seven day online auction site for special interest and in vintage vehicles. We do allow you to negotiate a reserve, so you can have a reserve on your car. There's no selling fee beyond the additional $129.99 fee to sign up. All of the additional commission charges go on the buyer side at six and a half percent. So it's actually a pretty good way to sell your car with no additional money out of your pocket. So please look us up at autohunter.com. And if you don't want to use an auction site, Our sister site is ClassicCars.com, which is a traditional online marketplace classified style. So please look us up on both, uh, and look for some cars for sale on both, and uh, give us a try. I don't think you'll regret it. Lots of cool stuff to find there. So now that we have that official business out of the way, we can get right into this week's podcast, which is, as always, me, Brad DeSantis. Sitting with me is... Jeff Sutton, yep, and conspicuously absent this week <laughs> is Derek Shaky. So Derek is currently on vacation. So we will celebrate his return next week. But I think mm-hmm. we can uh, hold down the fort without him this week. You think so? Yeah, I think beg- it, it yeah. won't be the same. It won't be the he, same. He will be missed. He's yeah. missed. So, okay. moving on. He's already missed, because he would have filled in that blank space right there. Yeah, that's and true. he did not yeah. do it, so <laughs> Derek, you fired. Gosh, yeah, gosh, take it, Derek. <laughs> anyway, right. last week was Barrett Jackson, Houston. It was. Uh, being as our auction is called Drive the Bid, we do have a special interest in auctions mm-hmm. and being special their company auctions. Barrett Jackson owns the collector car Network. We certainly have a special interest in Barrett Jackson auctions. So I did not attend. However, I hear, Jeff, that you spent a rousing weekend in Houston at this event. Yeah, and uh, surprisingly, it was actually rather chilly since I know everyone
1: wants to know how the weather was in Houston and not about the car auctions because this is a weather-focused podcast,
0: right? That's my other podcast, uh, Weather with Brad. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we spent the week in Houston. Um, make sure you get subscribed to both our classiccars.com uh, YouTube channel as well as the auto hunter channel because we're actually going to be releasing a bunch of videos um, from the auction, including a series of interviews, all sorts of things like that. So just to, you know, do a brief overview real fast here. Uh, we did a bunch of vehicles. Um, we did tens of vehicles. Um, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but there will be a ton of uh, video insights where we go ahead and go through all the vehicles, opening all the hoods, i um, going through all the specs, doors, all that stuff, all the good stuff, um, getting to talk about and explore some of the cars that were up for sale in addition to that as is typical with bear jackson auctions there are a variety of celebrities and things that come through including uh tyler hoover of who garage um, so we got an interview with him he had a collection of cars he was selling was he doing the he was still doing the bear coverage. jackson coverage stuff as well cool um so that that's super cool he also does motor trend stuff on the side which is pretty exciting so he's a uh, he's in a He's got his hand on a variety of stuff really he's grabbed a bunch of candy a bunch of different bowls sure. um we had an interview with a indycar driver that, Santino was, that ferrucci. was a good halloween
0: reference right there you like, like
1: that, that. sentino <laughs> ferrucci who actually just signed a year-long contract for aj Foyt racing um so we interviewed him um as well uh there's lots of other cool stuff i got to drive a uh hellcat on the track there um which was part of the thor rides kind of fun cool. Right, um, I
0: wasn't jealous. Now I'm jealous.
1: <laughs> so there was that experience um, with Dodge. Dodge has always been great to us. Um, we actually got to check out the Cadillac CT4 as well and hang out with some of the guys from the driving school uh, based out of Las Vegas um, that do the drive-alongs if you purchase a Cadillac or Corvette. I believe it's a Ron Fellow uh, driving school.
0: Ron so Fellows. The, uh, he's Ron fellows. He an S on there.
1: Um, so we hey, got he's a sports
0: the, car driver for a long time in the 80s oh, really? and 90s. And, yeah. I'm surprised I I don't recognize him off the top of my head, then, I guess. I think uh, that's more my generation. I think that's we'll what it see, is.
1: I'm pretty good with a lot of the 60s stuff, right? Like, I know AJ Foyt, obviously. Um, if, if you named almost anybody that raced in the 60s, I'm pretty good. But
0: for whatever reason,
1: 80s, 90s. Yeah.
0: yeah, Ron Fellows was a Canadian, or was a, is a Canadian sports car driver. So I know, I think he drove, I think he was one of the ones. I'm gonna feel bad if I'm wrong. But when the C5R first came out, the one that ah, Dale Earnhardt drove, yes, I think he was one of the ones on Dale Earnhardt's team in that 24-hour race. I think the C5 was also being the R. I think that was the first
1: one to sort of start that stint of Corvette racing, right? Because I think the C4 race car was a different.
0: There was no race car type. Yeah, so there was a Corvette prototype race car right. before there was the C5R. I don't think there was a C4 like GT glass car.
1: Right. So So the C5R started it all. And since then we've had the C6R, C7R, and now the C8R is the current race car.
0: Yeah, Ron Fellows is an interesting character. And I've certainly seen him um, over my years as watching racing. You know, growing up in the 80s, he was always involved in, I want to say SCCA racing. I'd have to look it up, but Mm. I'm pretty sure he was. And I know that he also raced a Viper at some point. Um, I'm actually just looking it up right now. It looks like he did win the 24 Hours of Daytona in 2001 oh, in really? a Corvette. Yep. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a cool guy. He's got well, some cool history. Yeah, nothing makes me happier than getting
1: onto the podcast and finding more things that I have to research and learn about. All good stuff. Yeah. I do not know that one of the last things was the uh, I'm Woodward Avenue. The uh, Black Ghost yep. documentary. when We walked away you talking did, about that. You did watch I, that. I really, I really enjoyed that so yeah, it's much. Great, so great that documentary. I've referenced it several times now, um, for several things, including the fact that we talked about the uh, last call car from Dodge. So I've referenced yep. it several times. So I am incredibly think it's a really good watch. Yeah, it really is. Really it's well a, it's kind of like a feel good car guy story too. It is. Yeah, that's a that's a cool one, especially because black on black cars are always good. Yeah, it's good stuff, especially when like the wheels are they got steelies and the wheels are also painted black. It's good. It's really good. Um, anywho, we had a bunch of crazy cars um, come through, including lots of one-off cars, special stuff that you'll really never see. So that's one of the cool parts about getting to attend the show. They have the thrill rides and, of course, in typical Barry Jackson fashion. But, of course, they also have sales. So That's all I care about. Drive the bid. <laughs> bid, bid, bid. So one of the, uh, let's say, close to home ones, um, having talked to Tyler a few times now, uh, in Again, you're definitely not going to want to miss that video, but he actually sold... uh, One of the cars he sold was a Miata, uh, first-gen Miata, in white, of all things, not even the stereotypical red. Okay. Um, That car ended up selling for $25,000. Is it a low-mile car? Um, I don't remember all the specs off the top of my head. We can get it pulled up here. Um, You just got to give me a quick sec. We also have some highlights
0: and some other cars. Are you telling me that Tyler Hoovey carries a... Panache to his name that makes his car worth more money. He may very well do so I mean going off what we said earlier,
1: right? uh, He has a lot of involvement in various uh, automotive communities and things like that He's even got uh, the show that he shares with the other youtubers Tavares whom we've also interviewed that video is live So go check that out. Uh, We interviewed Tavares and uh, they've also done some stuff together. They have their own show It's got 28,000 miles
0: All right, so it's fairly low yeah, Still seems like strong, strong money. Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the, where the car market is going right now. A lot of these previously not looked at vehicles as you know collector vehicles are becoming collector vehicles just because time. Yeah, and I mean this this car in particular um, was beautiful.
1: Obviously, it is a manual transmission, which is the only way um, to buy a an
0: Amiata. Unless you have an honest. automatic one, then we'll uh, you know pull we'll it aside. To keep all our all our listeners happy,
1: manual swap it. Sure. Generally, it's a good rule of thumb that if your car is on the lower horsepower side, and we're not making fun of low horsepower cars. I drive a nine forty four. Uh, if it's on the lower horsepower side, generally you want a manual because that's going to make a, gen- a more engaging experience. That's going to make you overlook the fact that when you step on the gas pedal, your car doesn't accelerate quite the way you
0: want it to. That being said, there are cars that didn't come with manuals. So. Sure, and I have a low horsepower, a few low-horsepower automatic cars, so I guess I can't say too much. Yeah, but you still enjoy them, right? Yeah, for different reasons. They're not enthusiast cars, per se. Well, they're enthusiasts for different, enthusiast cars for different reasons, not sports cars. This could be a, a topic for another time, but do you think
1: anything becomes an enthusiast car once it gets old enough because nobody in their right mind would drive that old of a car?
0: Yes. I have this conversation often. Oh, really? (sighs) Because, okay, you get in this conversation with, and I'm not going to try to be ageist here, but an older person, somebody older than your generation, and they look at something that you have as an interesting old car, and they remember it being a common car. I think anybody who's been on the Internet has seen the memes like, 1957 chevy because in 2050 nobody's going to be excited to open a garage Mm. and find a 2014 kia which is wrong which is completely very exciting kias but we're even talking (laughs) about a a, a generic regular run-of-the-mill kia and dare i even say like okay let's, let's go way off base here let's say somebody in the year 2050 opens a garage that hasn't been open for a long time We'll say in 2050 we either have some kind of synthetic fuel or fuel is used for. Assuming we can still use internal combustion engines. We can still emissions. use fuel, which we, we can. We, we'll be able to. But somebody open, throws a garage door open, and in this garage is a pristine, like twenty-two thousand mile, two thousand and seven base model Nissan Altima. I was worried you're going to say Prius okay prius People, it doesn't matter i've seen first generation priuses in museums already so, so what you have is this person in 2050 or 2060 or whatever is that opens garage door and see this low mile perfect nissan autobus yes. and, and they're gonna go man i haven't seen one of these in 40 years
1: and this must be the nicest
0: this example must be the on the nicest planet. one left yeah I'm going to put it on an online auction and make my retirement fund. Mm-hmm. Or they'll look at it and go, I remember these when I was first born. My mom had a used 07 Ultima or something. I would argue I was this me slightly. Here, but I, I, let me, Hear me out. So it gets all the way through to that time period now, and that's no different than somebody today throwing open a garage door and so i said 2050 so a 2007 car so we're talking about 43 years so 43 years ago from now it would be like a 79 78 so somebody going and opening up a garage door and seeing a 1978 chrysler cordoba it's a nothing car But if you found one with 22,000 miles on it and it was in pristine condition, you would step back for a second and appreciate it. And somebody would look at that and go, I remember that car. I remember this car as being more common and I'm going to use that and drive that. So, yes, uh, I I agree with most of what you said. My
1: only disagreement is the fact that uh, certain cars don't necessarily generate... Like, is, is somebody gonna want that car? Is it gonna be a famous car? Yes, absolutely, but it's not going, I don't think it's gonna be a significant like value change or anything like that, because like, will it be worth more than whatever an Altima is worth? Sure, but you have to remember like certain cars that maybe aren't interesting in this car, a uh, standard four-door sedan at of, of the time, will just be a four-door sedan still. It's not like it's a performance version versus like if it You're was like an, SCR an SCR or whatever. The
0: Chrysler Cordoba in this story also is not a performance car. It's just a standard car on the road. My 1983, so I personally have a 1983 Plymouth Sapporo. Mm-hmm. It was a very pedestrian car in 1983.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am super excited that I own it and it exists and it's in nice shape.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I don't I don't. I'm an enthusiast with that. for I'm that car that is like
0: just a... Basic was considered basic transportation. I'm an enthusiast for that car because it still exists. Yes. Once it's existed past a certain age period, it's like, man, the fact that this still exists alone is enough to make me want to save it. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. There was a time when a 1957 Chevy was just a standard commuter car it was just around a car. the block. Yeah, the old people were throwing away Ferraris left and right, especially Ferrari race cars. Sure, race cars in this, race cars in general. Once they got outdated, they got thrown away or just right. parked in a garage and now they're somewhere. All and multiple millions. Yes, I apologize in advance if you hear a clap. It's the mosquito it's fly right here. We're trying to kill us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: Um, anywho, getting back on topic here, one of the things I wanted to point out that we do have a video coming out is they sold a Brittany Blue 2022 Ford Shelby GT500 Heritage Edition. And okay. this was a charity car. And the reason I'm gonna point it out specifically is our video is going to come out featuring the car. Um, but we also interviewed Sean Shelby, which is one of Carl Shelby's grandsons, um, who was there to help promote the car and hype it up and stuff like that. And the funds actually went to relieve the folks who were affected by the hurricane in Florida. So that's pretty cool. The car actually sold for $400,000 the first time, was given back to the auction, and resold again. So now there's a total of over a million dollars going to benefit Operation Homefront. Which car Uh, is this? This is a uh, lot number 3001. It's a Brittany Blue uh, Ford Shelby GT500 Heritage Edition. And so uh, this car also has the track Pack, So that means it's got the full carbon wheels, carbon wing. And then an important note for this is the fact that Brittany Blue is not actually a factory color. That was something that the car was repainted in order to reference uh, Steve Davis's, uh, I believe it's a 67 Mustang. It's
0: also Brittany Blue, I think. Interesting. So Interesting that he'd have them paint a car. To matches the car and then sell it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, it, there was a lot of stuff involved there. It was a very hyped up, uh, auction. Obviously, there was, uh, a lot happening, um, for, for when the car sold. But at the end of the day, I guess any money that goes to charity is a good cause in that sense.
0: Obviously, nobody wants to go through a hurricane. No, no. <laughs> a, uh, a common opinion we hold here at the bit: <laughs> hurricane bad.
1: <laughs> um, but I mean, it's a cool car. I mean, if you own that car, right? So you have the track package, which I think carbon fiber wheels are some of the coolest additions. Um, we're starting to see with all the performance versions, right? The Z06, yeah. the C8 Corvette that's going to be coming out also it's has neat to see them like carbon Mustang, fiber wheels. Because you wouldn't think to see it. You expect to see it like a Pagani, Yes. You know, but not a Mustang. Yeah, <laughs> I think Koenigsegg is yeah, whatever famous for saying, you know, hey, we build our carbon fiber wheels and we build them in-house. Sure. And then now you can buy a Mustang. You'll be able to buy a Corvette here shortly, all with carbon fiber components. I know it's fiber a ridiculously components.
0: expensive wheel option.
1: Yes, I believe the GT500 sits somewhere like 80-ish. I want to say 86,000 maybe for the base GT500 yeah. with the, the, the carbon uh, track back, um, which involves all the carbon components. I believe you put yourself over the six-figure mark, and that turns into a hundred and... $10,000,
0: $15,000 car minimum, I think. That's crazy. Yes. For Mustang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get This is the ultimate Mustang. It's certainly a nice car. But yeah, the track package is $18,500. Yep. Crazy. And then,
1: you know, who knows what it took to repaint the car, Brittany Blue, or pull it off the assembly line to make sure you paint it, especially Brittany Blue, separately.
0: Yeah, eighty nine grand MSRP plus eighteen five. So you're at 110 or so before you start getting into taxes and other things.
1: Yeah. I think the heritage edition part helps with the paint and it gets
0: Wimbledon but white. But does the heritage edition matter sure. anymore? if you repainted the car? Well, I
1: don't think, it, I think it was done as a Ford slash Shelby thing.
0: So it's like an official paint.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think this car's actually ever been in anybody's hands. I think this car was strictly delivered as a to be auctioned by Barrett Jackson for charity car. Interesting. Uh, I think there was a guy that donated it. Anywho, uh, there's a bunch of really cool stuff. The next car I want to bring up, because this is one of the most beautiful cars on the planet, is a 1967 Chevrolet Corvette custom convertible built by Jeff Hayes. And holy smokes, I don't think I've seen a prettier uh, C2 Corvette. The detail and just the sheer shininess of this car, it's a where are we at? Lot number seven thirty-seven. Yep. The wheels are great. They're the larger style, so if you don't get that, if you don't like that on resto mods, that might not be for you. But it's powered by an LS three. I'm already out. Uh, producing five hundred forty horsepower, and it's got the four L seventy automatic transmission. So that's uh, obviously a bit more beefed up than your standard four L sixty that you'll find. I'm double out. Um, it's sitting on all the stereotypical mod stuff so it's got an art Morrison chassis but really I think it's how shiny the car is including the interior the gauge cluster on this car is one of the prettiest things that I've ever seen on the planet and in person the car was unbelievably shiny like it almost looked like it was glowing it might as well have been a light the gauges
0: are cool mm-hmm. the color is good mm-hmm. the wheels are terrible Uh, i like the wheels steering wheel is terrible
1: i I like it for the rest of mine.
0: the automatic transmission is terrible uh i will agree with that
1: i'm not a huge automatic fan
0: the interior door panel is terrible it's terrible personal opinion obviously fair enough we can debate all day long what's good and what's bad because we all like different things uh i personally do not like when somebody stylizes a vintage car and uses modern style components. The door panels on this car are very modern. Mm-hmm. I think that in 10 years, it will make it look dated. Yes, um, I,
1: I do kind of agree with that. I think there's a right way of going about it um, where you can kind of blend a bit of like, you know, modernness into it, kind of like retro futurism. Sure. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, you know when you look at like hot rods and you see something that was clearly built
0: in the 90s or 2000s It's obvious. Yeah. Well, it's funny the door panels of this car have a very Like 90s hot rod style to them. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I Really enjoy it. I guess at the end of the day. It's not my market. It's not my kind of car So I will just let it be if it is your market it sold for $379,500 considering that's more than i paid for my house i will say that it's out of my market i'm not yeah three hundred thousand thousand dollar car buyer. i'm not yeah i am also not in that territory
1: but that's that's one of the uh the top sales at barrett um for this auction and it's a,
0: it's a pretty cool car i think yeah i mean honestly it's it's built to a certain taste that taste is not mine <laughs> and that's all we can say like there's no there's no one perfect build for everybody so right when you, when you build a hot rod you're building it to taste And uh, some people's taste is obviously different than others. I won't say that they're right or wrong. Um, I mean, obviously, my opinion is my opinion. So I think that I am right. But I also (laughs) can appreciate that... You know, differences is what makes the world go around, right?
1: Yeah. Also, I think it's important to point out, we should have said this earlier, but uh, all these uh, numbers and cars that we're referencing, you can actually go and check out the photos yourself. If you go to barrettjackson.com, there is a page under auctions where you can go check out the Houston page, type in the lot number or the car that we're talking about, and you can pull up the photos and information about the car if you're curious. Um, of course, like I mentioned earlier, we'll also be producing videos, including the next car I wanted to mention.
0: Yes, you can look at these pictures, and if you disagree or agree with me, you can send message us message on up. my
1: email, and I'll let you know. I agree with Brad. Yes, please Jeff justify my opinion. Mm. i send it on April Fool's, actually. Oh, man. <laughs> okay Uh, the next car which we have a video about is the 2008 Mercedes-Benz SLR McLaren Roadster this thing is super cool and if you're curious on how the hood opens up with that aircraft carrier hood deck um, you can check it out in our video because we actually end up opening it up and I can tell you
0: it's very cool and probably not what you think does it open front first and then open back and then pivot forward basically yeah so it's like a 1985 (laughs) Buick yes cool cool um, but the difference is, is uh, this is a
1: early two thousand supercar, in the likes of you know when everybody's coming out with all the crazy stuff.
0: Saab 900s open the same way too. Are you, did you just compare a three hundred and two thousand dollar supercar to a much to a Saab? more superior nineteen ninety <laughs> Saab? <laughs> uh, obviously, my my taste in cars leans towards uh, nineteen ninety five and older cars. I don't think that is a secret around here. Um, I, I do understand what this car is and how it certainly is a significant car. It's a, uh, I'm going to beat a dead horse here it's and also say. it's roadster. not, it's also not for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this car is one of 106 roadsters um, built in 2008 and it looks, um, I think it looks great. The hard tops of course look great, but this is, this is a cool car to have as a roadster because um, it, it, it looks, it's it, to me, it looks almost like you took an SL, like your standard R- R230 SL,
0: but then turned the dial up to 15. I will say one of the things about these cars that I've always kind of chuckled at when I've seen is it's a Roadster, mm-hmm. so the top goes down, Yep, but it also has butterfly doors.
1: Yeah, well, it's yeah. weird. It's Yeah. So, um, um,
0: I mean, one of the great things about a Roadster is that you can get in and out very easily because there's nothing in the way of your head.
1: The car is also a little on the heavy side despite but being like all carbon. The
0: way the doors open in this car, you don't have a roof to worry about, but you can still bash your head in the door on the way out. It's just an interesting, like, I, I always, when this car first came out, I assumed it would have doors like the conventional, conventional car. Like mm-hmm. they just open up forward, but it still has the same kind of butterfly doors in them. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. they do. It does. Yeah. And it always seemed weird to me that you have this full open top car and then you open this thing that gets right in your way of getting out of the car.
1: Yeah, but I mean, at the at the end of the day, they also made a lot of like engineering-prone decisions for this car that I think are pretty unique. So, for example, this car is equipped with a 5-speed automatic. It's called the AMG Speed Shift R transmission. Okay. It's uh, very similar to the 5G-tronic. And it seems like a weird choice now, especially with all the gears and speeds that we hear about from modern transmissions. But sure. at the time, Mercedes actually had a 7-speed, but they chose the 5-speed over, over uh, simplicity. And... Uh, making it essentially easier. Same thing with the side exits. Side exit seems like a weird Mercedes thing, but this car actually has the sort of Formula One style body cladding underneath to help with aerodynamics. And so rather than deal with an exhaust down there too, they decided to just
0: shove it out the side. Yeah, I always assumed the side exit exhaust. So this whole car is a callback to the SLR race cars of the Yes, 50s. there was even a special edition called the 722. Right, which is the number of Sterling Moss's yeah. 1955 silver arrow something SLR. like that yeah. yeah so i always assumed the side exhaust was just a callback to that car because uh, yeah, in that car that's... the exhaust comes right out the side of the fender as well
1: yeah for uh, actual race car stuff um but this car i mean there's a bunch of stuff about this car that does pay homage to that especially because the slr actually came in its own separate silver called crystal lorite metallic yep um, that wasn't available on the standard cars so yeah, that's it's a little kind of brighter of a silver than the standard Mercedes yeah, but silver. but it's also not the same silver that came on the silver Arrow or 129. So it's all, all different silvers. I'd like to see, I'd like to go to Mercedes. Mercedes, if you hear this, invite us to Germany. Um, I want to know how many different shades of silver Mercedes has over the years.
0: Probably a lot. Probably a lot, I a mean, lot. I mean, it's really their color, so. It is, yes. Silver and maybe black. Silver is a great color because it shows all the lines in a car. If your car, car has any a lot. kind of like striking lines or like design features, nice silver really shows them off. Um, silver's gotten a bad rap lately as kind of being a boring color, mm-hmm. but I really think silver is a good color for a car with lines and flares and, and different parts Just because of the way the light hits it, it becomes a very, I don't know, it's a very, I'm thinking of a good word to use, but it's a, not a motion, but just it shows a lot more of the design. It's a very art forward color. Yeah, it's a very pretty color to say the least.
1: Um, to pick some of the older stuff, uh, Brad. Yes. Uh, this is something I was sad I missed at, out out on at the last auction, but I was sure to get some this time around, and that's the 1968 Ford Mustang Eleanor. God, you the one old car I don't like. So yeah, so this particular car sold for two hundred seventy-five thousand um, dollars. This is, of course, a certified car for those of you that like the Eleanors. Um, don't call your car Eleanor unless it's a officially licensed car because they will take it from you. Yeah. Uh, But this is one of those official cars. On this one, I particularly liked because it's coyote powered. What if it looks the same, but I called Elena? Am I okay? I would assume you're fine Hmm. because I've seen cars that look nothing like the movie car and then somebody called it Eleanor and then they still took it. So I think it's like any
0: reference. So does does, does this woman have like just a collection of is that she's stolen from people? I know. That's that's my question is, what does she do
1: with Where the do cars? Where do they go? Yeah. She then, she then do they s- crush
0: them or do they... Uh, does she then certify it and all the ones you're seeing at uh, auction are ones that she has taken? Well, God, if see, they crush it, I'd be so upset.
1: Yeah. Me me too. I mean, some of the, the, the cars that they've taken, I think are... Uh, they don't even have to be the right cars per se. I think most of the cars they take for builds are either sixty-seven or sixty-eight fastbacks. Um, but these days, you can actually buy a fastback conversion kit, so they can oh, even yeah. just make these cars purely out of a coupe if you wanted. Um, which these cars, uh, I believe, cost a significant chunk of change to order um, brand new. So, do you want to hear another opinion? Do you want to hear another opinion? Your opinions are always welcome. That's why. That's why we have a podcast, actually, that's true. It's to deliver opinions. I do not like this car. What do you not do? You not like this car specifically, I do or not like all of Eleanor's them? in general?
0: Mm. It and I want to be careful how I say this. I don't want to offend anybody who's late. a late listener. You've already offended everybody. By no, saying it's a personal like it. opinion, so I can say what I want to say. Mm-hmm. But I just think that if you're going to put that much time and effort into a car, why do we make them all look the same? Uh, so, this is the part where I go, well, when you order your Eleanor,
1: you can order it in a, any number of colors you want available. Most people just opt for Pepper Gray Metallic
0: because it's the color of the car in the movie. Next question. Why does anybody think this is a good movie?
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, to, to be totally honest with that, I actually prefer the first movie.
0: Uh, the original yeah, the original 1973 Gone in 50 Seconds. Yes. Where the Mustang was a 1971. 1970- Made to look like a 73. Yes but I don't know. I just strong opinions. If so you haven't seen the original, myself. but you have
1: seen the, uh Original, or you, you've seen the Nick Cage Gone in 60 Seconds. You should go watch the original because, in my opinion, one of the things I like about the original more than the recreation is I think they did a clever job of integrating. Like you, you'll see where a lot of aspects that might be confusing in the Nick Cage one come from by watching the original. There's all there's sorts of cool of gadgets. Yeah. yeah, there's all sorts of cool gadgets, uh, including the garage scene where the investigator comes and they have to hide some white powder that may have showed up. Right. That scene is also actually in the original, so that was borrowed the from the original. Trunk
0: Eldorado, if I remember correctly, yeah. mm-hmm. they hit so, the there's still pile, they hit the exhaust, and blow it away. So yes. you can't see it. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. And then they have them uh, rev it in the garage to make yep. sure it's got it's good. It's good. You should watch the original if you haven't seen it. It's it's worth. It's considerably it's also, longer.
0: It's also not a good it's, movie. It's just it's, it's I, enjoy, I enjoyed it's it. More entertaining The more creative. The car chase to me is better. And one of the cool things about the car chase in the original movie is. H.B. Uh, Halicki, the guy who was producing the film. Which his wife's the one that now steals cars. Is his wife? Yes. Uh, how ironic. I think I H.B. actually passed away life. unfortunately. Uh, he did filming the third movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's correct. So anyway the movie has one star car. So when it gets damaged in the chase scene it is fixed just to the point where it can be driven and you don't see that. So was the car, it one or two? One car. Well, there's two cars total but only one car is used for the chase scene so any damage um, you see you get on the car stays in the car for the whole chase scene one of the problems with a lot of Hollywood movies is you'll see a car you know crash into a wall the amount and of then, General Lee's they've gone through yeah and the next scene the, there's no dent where to hit the wall where you'll see a hubcap fly off and the next scene yep. the car has all his hubcaps still yes. you're like How oh, is mm-hmm. this guy pull over mid police chase and yes. pick up his hubcap and line <laughs> it up and put it back on So one, one of the cool things about the HP Haliki original 73 gone in 60 seconds is they used one car. And if it got damaged to the point where they could not drive it anymore they just fixed it just enough to make it drive some more
1: we need an episode talking about hollywood cars because i also i like some of these stories like this like for example and the Bandit. they only got three cars for the whole movie because Pontiac was like hey we like what you're doing but we're just not sure if it's gonna pan out so the best we can do is three firebirds and yeah we're gonna give you three firebirds and two of the police cars which i forget what those are off the top of my head Grand Prix, something like I that. Like the Grand yeah, Prix. We'll give you
0: three Firebirds, two Grand Prix. Well, if you haven't noticed in the movie, the Grand Prixs they have the Firebird hood scoops on them.
1: Do they really? Yeah, yep, that's funny. The, sh- um, the shaker we scoops. Should, we should, yeah, we should talk about that. Plus, I think General Lee's. I think the number I heard was like sixty-eight or like low seventies or something. The amount that they went through. Oh, more than that. You think it's more than oh, that? Significantly oh more God, than that. Right. So maybe we
0: have to make an episode about movie cars and yeah. There's um, some really good movie cars. There are some really good movie cars out there. In fact, to go too off topic, we uh, just had submitted for Auto Hunter a uh, Mirth Mobile replica the other day. So pretty excited excited about that. It's, uh, you know,
1: I think you'd be surprised. Uh, Speaking of other replicas, there was also a Ghostbusters, but the new movie, Afterlife, um, replica Barrett-Saxon that sold as well. Also a cool car and a fun movie. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, yeah, it's actually you know it was it was enjoyable. To, I know that I got a kick out of the mini marshmallow guys, and I like Paul Rudd, sure. despite
0: what some people might think. No, he's good. He's good. I like him too. I, I I had no expectations going into that movie. Same, yeah, and I fully it. I think it. that helped. Yeah. Well, I I tried watching the second
1: original Ghostbusters, the slime one or whatever, and sure. could not. Could not get through it. Oh, I can watch all the originals. Really? Oh, they're all great. I enjoy the first, the actual original, original, but I just I couldn't get through the second one.
0: Again, it could also be part of, I, I, that's my era. That's when I grew up. You weren't around for what was new, so maybe it was right. different for you. I don't know. I, I like all the
1: Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, um, some, some more cars, getting back to topic here. Um, one of the cars, um, I don't have it in front of me to tell you exactly what it's sold for. Um, but Tyler Hoovy's Superbird was also in the collection, um, which we actually filmed the interview in front of. So if you want to see that car and see Tyler talk about it, definitely check out that video. Um, I believe that car sold for around one hundred seventy, hundred and eighty thousand dollars $180,000. Was it not a real Superbird? It was, no, it was a real uh, Superbird. It's a partial rebody car. Um, so I know some people will irk at that and then the other thing is it didn't have a like 446 back or a Hemi in it it had a 528 cubic inch Hemi aftermarket something that had been thrown in there Um, but really it had been turned into a driver's car Um, I know a lot of suspension stuff had been changed Um, it had improved cooling bits and it also had I believe a Tremec uh, five speed transmission so it wasn't it didn't have any of the original components per se it's got a modern hemi in it it says but i think it would be the perfect driving superbird if you just wanted to drive it that's the car and it is a real r-code car so it's one of 126 so he sold it for 170 thousand dollars yeah so so if you want to see that car and some of the more info from Hoovy himself that's in there but possibly one of my favorite cars at the auction 1999 plymouth prowler But it's been swapped (laughs) with a Hellcat. No, it's been swapped with a Hellcat motor. So let's talk about this for a bit. So when the Prowler first came out, it came with a 3.5 liter V6. And this is is such an interesting story. You'll definitely want to watch this video because this car is super cool. But one of the interesting things about the Prowler to start, before we even get into the engine swap and the other details, the Prowler is actually stolen heritage. Chrysler stole the 32 Ford from Ford. And turned it into a modern retro futurism. More car. like a
0: 34 Ford.
1: Point is, they stole the heritage from Ford. Chrysler, at the time, I forget his name off the top of my head, the guy that uh, Chrysler had essentially hired, he did some other cool stuff, and then they decided to hire him. He was kind of responsible for pushing some of the inspo behind the uh, Viper and then the Prowler. And so what he did was he said, hey, look, you know, we don't have a ton of that crazy heritage, so let's just borrow some. Tom Gale. Yes. So they, they built the Prowler. Unfortunately, the Prowler was a 3.5 liter V6. Um, that's probably the most offensive thing that it did. I like the looks of this. I may be partial to it because I had a model of it with the trailer. And so I thought these were great. Sure, And well, I, I like the bumpers. than the purple metallic, which this car is. This car is purple metallic, but it's been swapped with a Hellcat motor. So now it has 707 horsepower. Um, So this car only weighs 2,800 pounds. So (laughs) that is a lot of horsepower to be pushing through it. Now, in order to make it drivable, the car has upgraded disc brakes. I believe it's rockin' Will Woods all around now, which is good because you need to stop when you have that much horsepower and no weight. Um, the car is a automatic transmission. It's also got a upgraded uh, drive shaft. Um, obviously, to go along with that, uh, everything had to be custom for the drive shaft and things like that. But it, this is a, a seriously cool car. They actually had to cut a hole in the hood to fit the supercharger through, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but it's got a ton of stuff that's been added to the car to make it uh, function properly. Um, and even has Dakota digital gauges, which I thought was kind of a funny touch. Um, because typically we see that in trucks. I'm, I, I don't even know the last time I saw a, T- a C10 that didn't have
0: no, you, see it parts, you see it in 55 chevys 57 chevys 32 fords right it's common in a lot of builds they're one of the original like gauge companies that made stuff that seemed more modern point is if i had 62 thousand seven hundred dollars this is how i would have spent it is that all it sold for yeah Which, so a regular prowler low mile prowler sells around 40
1: eh, you can
0: see them in 30s is it a low mile car it sells around 40 yeah so we have no idea what this car was before they swapped it for an extra twenty grand. You can have a genuine fast Prowler, and uh,
1: so let's point out here that this uh, it says here that it's a crate engine. So I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe a Hellcat runs you about thirty grand. Yeah, so that's a crate motor for the seven hundred seven horsepower. You
0: basically bought a Prowler and the crate engine and had it installed for free. Yep, and also that's got, a pretty good deal. And got a courier and, and a transmission and everything else that went along with it yeah this this car was that's a deal i think that's well
1: you know we we say it's a deal but i think that also goes a long way to describe the build too because typically um when you go into like a heavy custom build odds of you getting all of your money back or even close to it are usually not that great you usually take a hit um so that's one of those things that it's got to be a passion build generally you can't you know, build the craziest thing ever and expect to get all of your money back. So to come that close to getting all of your money back that you would have invested into this, I think oh, that's no really way good. they get
0: all their money back. Not no, even close. Probably not all their money. At the $10,000 rear diff. Is it? Oh yeah. What do they have in there? It's a curry independent, oh. independent nine inch. You know, it's probably another few grand. This exhaust all looks crazy. It's probably got a couple grand there. It's got, what does it have for a transmission? This is
1: aftermarket Viper side panels. Oh.
0: Custom built semi-automatic turbo 400 with a PTC to a custom built transmission. It's probably another five or six grand right there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of money in this car. Point is, I like this thing. Oh, it's it's listen. I've never in my life said this. This is the first time ever quoted on the book, Everybody. I dig this car. Oh, I, I, I there like it is. I like this. I like this prowler. I've never said I like this prowler, but I I'm OK with a Hellcat powered prowler. I can't believe we got that on recording. Hey, life goes on. Make it dumb, fast, limit anything. Yeah. which just sounds funny for the guy who was a bunch of slow cars
1: yeah well i mean having driven a hellcat red eye um this was specifically a dodge charger srt hellcat red eye
0: wide body that i got to drive uh it was a ton of fun so you get to drive the heavier hardtop version of the plymouth prowler um right
1: yeah i mean here's the thing um they that the, the uh, one of the things Dodge told me uh, when I got to drive the car was that the um, Charger actually spreads the weight a little bit differently than the way the Challenger does and so you know the, the driving experience even though the Challenger is about 100 pounds lighter um, depending on which package you choose is longer right is it longer wheelbase too uh, yes it's like two inches longer so it's probably a little more stable maybe yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was the, the gist of what they were saying. Um, but that video will be going up. That was a ton of fun. Like I said, Dodge is great. And they just offer those thrill rides, which we also have another video about talking about the thrill ride. So if you want to see what that's about. So on a thrill ride, do you get to drive or ride along? It's, the, the thrill ride is strictly riding along. Um, this was more like we got some media... Privileges to get to drive a Hellcat on the track that they have and talk about some of the cars that they have um, Which they run the cars completely stock So you that when you go out and you sit in those cars for a thrill ride they uh, Sometimes some of the drivers will make their own custom performance pages um, Which is the performance settings and setting everything up inside the car, which we also have coming out in the video but um, They'll set that up, but these are all stock cars, people driving around. And so they had tons of stories of how they'd give somebody a thrill ride. And then the next thing they hear is a guy went went to a dealership same day, Bought a Hellcat and then came back to talk to the guys at the dealership, and they helped him with uh, some of the settings and checking everything out. Which to me is like one of the coolest stories ever for enthusiasts.
0: Yeah, that's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, so these are the cars that are literally on the dealership lot that they're sliding around it and just giving smoke shows to everybody involved. So it's a really cool experience.
0: Yeah, I'd like to get a ride in one of those. I've never done that. <gasps> Scottsdale, 2021 January. 2021 has passed a long time ago, my friend.
1: Oh gosh, I'm okay welcome to 2022 (laughs) 2022. here's how backwards now (laughs) all right scottsdale is coming up in january 2023 um it's going to be the 21st to the 29th in Scottsdale. It's a, a very long auction. They'll have, the, uh, I believe Dodge is doing the thrill ride every single day. So if you go to the Scottsdale auction, you will be able to get a ride. And typically there's other manufacturers as well. But a I, I good, definitely
0: suggest Dodge. Good chance that uh, we'll be spending some time there, being as we do work for the company and it is our home auction.
1: Yeah, if you want to say hi to us, Scottsdale, we will be there.
0: Okay, I lied. I won't be there. Don't come say hi to me. <laughs>
1: Brad will be there as well. Yeah, he says, will you can say hi. It's he fine. says he wants to be there, but just say hi and then walk away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the cars I had mentioned on one of our last episodes about uh, some of the preview cars for Brad Jackson is the
0: AMC AMX Von Piranha edition, which we gave my opinion on. I, I get it. I don't, I I love it. I love hate it. I have more
1: updates actually, having now made a video on it, which will be going up on the Auto Hunter Cinema TV, um, YouTube channel. So go ahead and get subscribed to that, so you don't miss out on those videos. But that car sold for fifty five thousand dollars. That's a strong number for an Amzie yeah well it's a very cool amc um some of the updates even which you'll see in the video you can actually see we talked about how some of the which scoops are functional and some of the stuff like that when you pop the trunk you can actually see the the hoses running to the rear brakes which is really cool panel ones yeah or the roof ones uh the the side quarter panel ones that's cool the roof ones are were supposedly um cut open on race cars this one did not have them cut open um but supposedly they were used to cool the cabin on the actual race cars i dig it yeah, it's it's super cool, especially knowing that there's only, as far as we know, two in the two of these still in existence that are running and driving. And this is, I mean, it must clearly be the best example because this is the one that's been featured in magazines. This is the one that's
0: you, yeah, you whenever see we driving around. Mm-hmm. We can never seem to find anything on, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, the,
1: there's uh, you know, I I got to talk to the owner, um, and he had also mentioned the orange car that I talked about in the last episode. Um, well, not the last episode, but the, when we talked about Barry Jackson, um, the there is an orange car that is apparently in existence that floats around the car shows occasionally in Colorado. So there are two of these that we know of running and driving. And this one's by far the the best example. I've heard the orange one's pretty rough. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, you know, we all know Copo, right? We all know Yenko. We all know these various high performance versions. A lot of people are familiar with uh, Mr. Norms who we also have a car video about that coming up here shortly. Grand Spaulding Dodge. Yep. But this—it's exciting to hear and learn about a sort of exclusive performance car, especially one of 22 that nobody's familiar with. So to me, it's it's almost like a, you know finding a new dinosaur per se.
0: I'm wondering if there are even more of these that have just been lost to time. I'm sure other dealers that were doing stuff. Right. Like you've heard of the Mecha Pontiacs, right? They're right here in Phoenix. Uh, no, actually. So they deal. They did the. Bobcat was Pontiac as well, yeah. The, the Royal Bobcats. Royal Bobcats. Right, yep. here, right here in Phoenix, there was a Mecham Pontiac. Hmm. And Mecham or Mecham, I'm not sure what the exact pronunciation is. I've heard people pronounce it both different ways. Mm-hmm. But both second and third gen Firebirds, they did. They called the Macho TA. Oh, uh, we actually had a Macho TA 78 at Bear Jackson. Okay. So, yeah, that's that was built here in Phoenix at a Pontiac dealer here. And they're all individually numbered and they're pretty famous cars. So just another one of those dealer specialties. Um, They did a ton of stuff, actually. There's a guy here in town with a two-tone brown third-gen fiber macho TA. And looking at all stuff, it has BBS wheels. It has, like, Bilstein shocks and custom springs all around, as as well as, like, it was all desmogged and everything at the time, too, which is wild as me. They could do that and then sell it as a brand-new car. But uh Ricaro Recaro seats are in it. Like it was a pretty, pretty neat build. It was like a track focused style third gen. Hmm. So yeah, Macho TAs. Uh, it's kind of a weird name. And it says Macho T8 on the side, which is, I don't know if I can drive that, but it's also cool. You can drive it. It's okay. Especially uh, if it's a 78, 77. Yeah. Any of them are cool. So they're really neat up anything else you did in houston any other uh events you took partook in or any place else you went do you see any cool
1: oh you know uh, what um i'm forgetting the name of it but it's a sort of uh i know texas does it and i know it's done in some other places too but the uh the special uh wheels um where it's uh like it's almost like wire spoke wheels but then it goes outside the wheel and they sort of like stretched out is. Is that what they're called? Sure. I saw a car with that, and I was beyond excited because I was like, holy smokes. It's like one of those things where, like, uh, we, we don't see that in Arizona. So the wheels are called swangas, and the
0: cars are called slabs. Slabs. So what's, I saw a slab. Was his trunk open? No. It was so just a, parked, like, outside the Chipotle. A lot of them have, in the bottom of the trunk, when you open the trunk up, like, the the bottom of the trunk lid uh-huh. it'll be like neon tube sign with like sayings in them oh and really they'll drive around with the trunks open it, yeah i forget what it was it was a
1: uh, early chevy's 2000 something i got a phone i could pull up but it was like a cruiser or malibu or something like that yeah, I, I've, I a lot I've of money carlos of it. are done yeah. that
0: way and a lot of impalas from that era are done that way and lamborghinis apparently if you're a rapper there is one lamborghini yep. yeah slab
1: <laughs> Um, so that I was beyond excited to see that. It's one of those things, you know, where, uh, like I said, I I've never seen that before. It's a very, and then, it's a very
0: Houston thing. Yeah, you were in Houston, it, so
1: right. And you know, knowing that that's a, I guess, a local car uh, trend. It's a it's car fun subculture to see that way, right? Like one of the things I've always wanted to see is uh, in, uh I believe it's South Africa, where they do the. Uh, Burnouts and you know, stand on top of your hood where your car's smitting and they have like the hood locking thing. And yeah, sometimes they don't have lawyers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so some of that type of stuff, I you know, is, is the type of stuff where I'm like, wow, that's wild that they just set well, up their cars to be able to do burnouts uh, oh, without them in the driver's Australia seat.
0: has the whole burnout scene too, where they just have these burnout pits where yeah. they just go nuts. I and know, they, Australia is great, they too. build like 2,500 horsepower, you know, V8 rear wheel drive 82 Corollas, right? And they just build in the with, and they all two face. tires, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like twenty five hundred horsepower, yep. supercharged big blocks, like yep. ridiculousness. Yep. And they go. They call they go a tip in. And they they roll into this burnout box, and it's surrounded by concrete barriers. So you better be good at what you're doing. And you have no front tire because they're like drag style, and they just they go in and fling the thing sideways, and they're just doing donuts. It's in a controlled environment, so it's not like one of these stupid side air, shows air that we're seeing. Yeah, it's it's a a sanctioned event in a controlled environment. <laughs> it's unlike the stupid sideshows we see in this country where people are doing yes, like, please don't donuts do that. At intersections. Please don't do that. Hurting people. Stop, stop it. But that's our PSA for the day. There you go. Yep. But interesting. You saw a little bit of the local flavor. It's funny because in the world we live in, in 2022 where the internet connects everybody, mm-hmm. there is way less of a regional thing. Like true, it's it's people will you don't know, you know, see things as regional as you used to be. So it's it's interesting mm-hmm. to see that's still a very regional Houston thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's because those cars would just be flat out illegal anywhere else. Yeah, my, my my thought is they're probably also illegal there. Yeah, I know that California in particular doesn't like your wheels being outside of your fenders. So so most I think part of how it started happening was. The law was your tire tread had to be inside the fender. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, but also there's width limits, and some of these guys—I don't know how big those ones were—but some of these cars stick were, out like uh, like a foot. Like some of them stick out like two feet.
1: I would be nervous to drive that car. Yeah, freaking hit something with them. Yes. Yeah, it's a knockout of poor pedestrian or something. Thinking out, could you imagine driving through the pavilion's car show where people are just walking around between cars?
0: No. some guy got hit the other day there. Without, and it wasn't even without. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I say that it was a Mustang in, I say that in jest I, I don't know how the man turned out it wasn't elderly gentleman I hope he's okay yeah
1: but. from what I understand he's a regular photographer at PAVS okay um, so that's that's a, too bad um, it was a Mustang so insert jokes
0: yeah I don't here. know if it was the Mustang at fault or the photographer not paying attention at that point that's true that's Mustang uh, wasn't moving very fast I don't think
1: so. Yeah, generally, I mean, there are you know hooligans, of course, unfortunately, at every
0: sure. meet like that. But generally, Pavs is well behaved. Well, this was there are hooligans at Pavs. But they usually take it to the street afterwards. Right. But this was in the parking lot still, and the guy was pulling out yeah. of a parking spot. So my assumption is that. The person who got hit was not paying attention while taking pictures, maybe. I don't know. I don't know who it was. Was it an older person? That's what I heard that night. Um, I haven't heard that much information. Yeah. All I know is it was a, a photographer that apparently frequents the event. Well, there's a bunch of 20 year olds there. So somebody my age considered an old person, probably. So maybe I should be careful what I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Even though I don't consider myself an old. Yeah. Ageism all over the place today. But. Uh, well, Jeff. Uh, that's a good wrap up, I think, of Barrett Houston. I was—you're oh, telling me to we, carry on here. So no, I mean, that, yeah,
1: that's that's generally our wrap up. Obviously, if you want to check out the sales for yourself, you can go to Barrett Jackson's website where they have all of the docket from Houston 2022, and then you'll eventually be able to preview the cars for Scottsdale. Um, oh, which I, I should mention, they did have some preview cars at Houston and stuff, so we'll probably be posting just some quick highlights of some of those because there's some really cool stuff but um, we actually have to highlight some of the cars on our auction website that are currently live for people to
0: bid on sure sounds like a plan well, what yeah. you got
1: um, so for me personally because I'm feeling just so sentimental right now um, there is a 2022 Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat jailbreak um,
0: for those of you that don't know you're feeling sentimental to the 10 minutes ago you were in Houston <clears throat>
1: No, just to, to getting to drive the Hellcat. Um, okay. Uh, so, this particular car being a jailbreak means that this is the sort of highest trim level Challenger Hellcat option, excluding things like the Demon, which were limited production. You can't buy anymore. Um, this is a, the jailbreak is essentially giving you full customization. To do whatever you want to the car, you get all sorts of graphics options um, and crazy packages that you can pretty much do whatever you want to the car. So, this has a fully loaded Hellcat with whatever options, colors, stripes you want. Um, This particular one is finished in gray with black stripes in the wide body.
0: So, my favorite vehicle on the site right now is a 1959 Mm -hmm. Studebaker Napco Mm. 4x4 pickup.
1: And why is it your favorite, Brent?
0: because it's a 59 Studebaker pickup which is in itself rare. Mm-hmm. It's a factory installed Napa, sorry, Nap, not Napa, oof, Napco 4x4 setup. It's unbelievably rare. I don't know how many they made, but it wouldn't have been very many. And I don't know how many there cool still truck. today, but it's not very many. That's
1: that's the type of thing, you know, like when you uh, see some of those off-road video games and you're like in Alaska,
0: looks like in the middle of nowhere this is what it i expect it kind of looks like a russian 4x4 from the 60s or 70s uh yeah that too yeah. If you strap a missile to the back of it no 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 just a russian farmer truck oh, from like sure, a sure. cold war You're era right. russian thing here.
1: sure no you are not allowed to talk about russia from the 60s and 70s without talking about the cold war anyway, anyway <laughs> they still head farmers that drove um, trucks
0: that look like this so that's very cool there's another car on the side right now it's a 1966 pontiac ventura Which was a factory 421 tri-power three-speed manual car. Yep, can't go wrong with that. One of ten. One of ten in regards to ever built. What?
1: Just with that transmission and power plant with
0: with a 421 tri-power three-speed manual. One of ten. So very cool wow. car. Yeah. So that means go bet on that car because you might never see it again. You will never Over see the that again. Absolutely one, not.
1: Almost not existing. That
0: includes all Catalinas two plus twos and Venturas. So it could be, for all I know, one of two or one Venturas with that package in them. So does it come with PHS? It does come with PHS. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's good stuff. Unfortunately, it currently has a four hundred in it and a four speed manual on the floor, mm. but it comes with the factory three speed the column with the column shifter ah. and a correct date-coded uh, 421 block. Is so you could, Yeah. you so could, put could it back. make it back to the way it was. That's cool. So that's a cool car too.
1: Okay. So as we're getting to close, close this out here, um, that was essentially some of our event coverage, which again, will all be posted to our YouTube uh, and also reshared through the journal. So make sure you get subscribed to those channels for that. Um, but Brad and I will actually be heading to SEMA here and there will be more content sure. uh, from SEMA. So definitely more, if you... Um, don't care about the auctions. We're also doing SEMA. So more reasons to get subscribed. Absolutely. Many, many videos to come. Mm-hmm. So with that, I guess that's uh, the end of the... Uh, we're done casting the pod.
0: We are. Thank you for listening. Uh, we all hope that uh, you enjoyed it. and You can come back next time, and uh, we will reintegrate Derek in the conversation. Yep. All right. Good night, everybody. See you.